Hello, hello, everybody. This is Dennis Allen, and you're listening to the Dennis Allen City Boy Homesteader Podcast, a city boy who gave it all up to find happiness, financial freedom, and a better way to live life. Together, we can learn and accomplish anything. It is February 8th, 2019, and we will be talking about why I bought 30 acres out here, literally, in the middle of nowhere, Pennsylvania. Um, and what my plans are for my homestead. Why did I do it? What am I doing with this? How is it going to be a homestead? What my definition of a homestead is. You know, that's something most people don't even understand what a homestead really is. So I'm going to talk about that a little bit. And also, this is a big one. Um, what is off-grid? What is my definition of off-grid living? You know, I, I uh, one of my most popular videos on Dennis Allen, City Boy Homesteader.com, something like that, on YouTube, <clears throat> was a video where I kind of put like a little clickbait thing out there, like, you know, making fun of Wrangler Star because he's a popular YouTuber. And so I got a whole bunch of watches on that one. But that one was pretty much my my take on the whole off-grid lifestyle thing, you know, what it means to be off-grid. Is it just being off the um, electrical grid? But we'll get into that. Um, I'm going to talk about how I'm using my off-grid, you know, using things like solar and wind for my power. Um, how am I going to repair and build up the land? You know, it was a, a pasture, you know, how am I going to make that a profitable earning piece of property and what am I going to do with it you know grow my food medicine and in essence this is uh it's going to give me my my uh the financial needs to live that better lifestyle that I talk about in the opening podcast and in my opening line so before we do that let's talk about our only and first sponsor actually we probably have another sponsor so, you know, the first one, let's do two. You know what? I'm just shooting from the hip again. These companies are my companies, so my little side hustles. The first one is Inglebean, Inglebean Coffee Shop in Milheim, Pennsylvania, PA. Um, it's an it's a awesome little coffee shop in the middle of town at the traffic light. There's a brewery in town, art gallery, a cool, bunch of cool little things, and uh, – you know, I was spending a lot of time at his coffee shop, and when I first got here, I was trying to figure out, uh, yeah, I got to get a job. You know, I was Ubering and things like that. And the coffee shop thing, it kind of just landed in my lap. You know, I was there all the time. One of my <laughs> my first friend here in the Valley, um, Kathy, she, uh, she owned it. So I spent a lot of time there. I knew her well. I knew the business well. And she... Uh, she asked me one day, you know, she kind of like, hey, would you be interested in buying it? So I ended up, I had a couple of dollars laying around, uh, not laying around, it was actually for building stuff, but I kind of shot from the hip like I always do and I bought a coffee shop and so that's Inglebean. So they're a sponsor. Um, please check them out, Inglebean.com. If you're ever in town, if you're listening to this, you're local, please come by. If you share the podcast, they are still giving away a free homemade we bake them daily, every day, cookie. So get one of those, and you'll be happy. And I'll be happy, too, because you shared the podcast. If you like it. If you don't like it, <clears throat> don't share it. Well, maybe, yeah. You don't want to still share it because maybe somebody else will like it. Um, the second real quick sponsor that we have is Woodward Quarry. That is the quarry on my property. We are having Quarry Fest that's coming up uh, 420. That's April 20th. And it's going to be an all-day music concert. We're going to have vendors, food, 
beer, just a great time. So check it out, woodwardquarry.com. That's also in Woodward, Pennsylvania, a couple minutes away from Dinglebean. So check them out, and those are my ads. Hope you like them. Okay, so one more thing. Everything, go to DennisAllen.com. That's the whole website for this podcast and everything. So if you're going to share it, share DennisAllen.com. My podcast are on there. Everything about me is on there. So let's let's get in the, let's get into the conversation. Why did I buy thirty acres? Um, what was the plan? You know, I my first podcast I explained what permaculture was and what I wanted to build. I want to build a food forest and uh, so with a food forest, you know, I had a little backyard in Jersey City. You know, twenty by forty lot with uh, some expanded acreage in the back. That was kind of city property. But um, you don't really need, you know, you need more than a little backyard. I could have done a lot with back with that backyard. But to do a, a nice homestead, like um, I mentioned, Dan, Homesteader Dan, check him out on Instagram. He has about five, six acres, I believe. And um, that guy, Jack Spirico, with the podcast, the survival podcast that I listen to, he's got about three acres and that's probably all you really need. That's what I was looking for. I was maybe looking for a little bit of five acres or more, <clears throat> mainly because I didn't want any neighbors, and I was willing to um, be a little more remote than um, most people are, I guess. Or I don't know. It, it's really not that remote. You know, I'm surrounded by Amish, and uh, there's a couple of English people. Um, the person I bought the farm from, uh, Brian, he is a uh, – organic beef and cheese farmer so it's surrounded by cows over there and cheese makers those are cows too for the people in the city that don't know that um i wasn't looking for as many acres actually the first plot of land he had sectioned off was 21 acres i believe and it kind of only went up to um my property comes from the road all the way up to the top of the hill so I have the entire, you know, from the creek going up to the top of the hill. Um, but at first it wasn't to the top of the hill. It was only, <clears throat> I guess, to the first bump, you would say, kind of like the height of the quarry. And he had his cow pasture right behind me, so going up to the top of the hill. So I asked him um, if he would sell that a little bit of land to me, too. It was about another five acres, I think. I have a total 28 point seven acres i think um but i did want that just in case you know one day he would sell the land and you know some conventional farmer moved in and he wanted to spray things and you know do who knows what but you know i i wanted to have that and it's you know the higher you go the more beautiful the view is so from that view vista i could see um uh east i'm sorry uh south you know, that was my whole point. I wanted a south-facing hill, and so it does have that. Um, <clears throat> there was water on the property. Uh, it was very quiet. My, you know, I could see another house for my property, um, but it's an Amish house, and I mean, they don't even have power. They, you know, they'll crank up a big generator on you know weekends or something whenever they have to do some building or something like that, but. Um, it's it's a very, very beautiful. I'm looking at the mountain and mountains behind me and 
Check out uh, my YouTube channel, Dennis Allen, City Boy Home, et cetera, on YouTube. Check it out. There's a lot of cool videos. You could see the the whole Vista. I'm not going to get into describing it because I could sit here forever and talk about that. So it had everything that I needed. So that's why I bought it. That's why I bought a little bit more. It cost me an arm and a leg just to get it surveyed, which is like, uh, you know, you don't think about these things when you're buying land and you want a little bit more. And it's like, oh, I'll just give another, you know, 20000 or 50000 for that piece of land. And I think, no, that's not really how it works. You got to pay surveyors and they want like 3000 oh, It's crazy. But I got it now. It's all there. This is my homestead. And a lot of people are asking, oh, well, it's a homestead. You know, a lot of my friends from the city, you know, I, a couple of the old celebrities that I, uh, I used to talk to a lot, they're listening to this homesteading podcast. And so a lot of people don't know what a homestead is. So my definition of a homestead is a, pre, a piece of property, um, your home, that is providing for you. So in Jersey City, before I was Airbnb it, and um, well, it was a two-family, so it provided me a little bit of income, but most people's homes don't provide them any kind of source of food, or they, they do provide shelter, but everything else is tied into you just paying somebody else, either a landlord or a bank, or even if you own the property, you're just using it for a one-purpose tool. In permaculture and just, you know, the way I cook, everything, I like to have tools that have multi-purposes. So <clears throat> a home should not be just somewhere that's going to shelter me. My home should provide me. And when it does provide for you, that's when people tend to say it's a homestead. Um, like Homesteader Dan, he is a full-time homesteader. And what he does is his full-time job is maintaining his animals, his sheep, his goats, planting his own food, his own medicine maintaining it, doing all kind of, you know, to to provide as much as he can for for himself and his family. Being tied into, so it's kind of tied into the, the off-grid. I, I mentioned what is off-grid and what my definition of off-grid and that homestead or uh, Ram, Wrangler Star, that, you know, whatever. It was a video, a YouTube video. But, being off grid to some people is only removing yourself from that that cable that ties into the telephone line. So that's what most people's definition of off grid living is is not being tied into the electrical system. My definition of off grid living is one you can never truly be truly off grid, and I guess my definition I would explain why, but. The grid of just life, what you're living in, you know, I, I need my water. Okay, I could provide my own water. On my homestead, I'm going to provide my own water. So that's something that's tying, taking me off of the water grid. When I lived in Jersey City, I was on a water grid. My water came from, uh, I think it was two, two, maybe 50 miles away from central Jersey all the way to Jersey City through processing plants and pump stations and lead pipes. So I'm, I'm on a grid. It's not an electrical grid, but it's a water grid. So that's my definition of grid. There's a lot of grids of living. And to be truly off-grid, you're going to have to be in the middle of nowhere, never experience other people, being completely not tied into a community. You know, a community is a, is a huge grid. You know, and that's a grid that I want to live in. I want to be part of that grid. 
I want my neighbors. I want to help each other out. I want to support my neighbors. That is a great grid, and I want to be part of it. The grids are the bad ones, like the electric company where they're, you know, I don't know. I, that's a whole other podcast. You know, is that a bad grid? It's probably the most efficient grid that we have right now, so might not be that bad. But I don't want to have to rely on them. You know, I like with my my um, <clears throat> my power. You know, my electricity. I have. I live in a again. I live in an old airstream, um, and all my power is provided by right now just two solar panels. All right. I don't have much of an infrastructure. This this is about the future of my homestead. I'll also talk about what I have, but it's not much. Um, so I do have two solar panels. <clears throat> They're hooked into uh, th- one solar panel is hooked up into the main battery of the Airstream Teddy. That's my Airstream is named after my Nana Teddy uh, Octavia is Teddy for short, I guess. So Teddy has one main battery that is inside her heart and then there are two other batteries deep cycle marine batteries that are tied you just you know just laying in a little uh section there and so the one powers all the lights in the airstream anything that is a dc power um so i have car chargers plugged in so i could charge my cell phone on there or use different um devices that run on dc and then with the two bigger or the two other marine batteries i have those tied into a an an inverter an 800 watt inverter and i use that for any kind of my ac power ac power is the plugs that you have in the house so when you're living on grid and those little plugs that you have that's ac power all the power things that you plug into your car that's dc power so regular battery is is a direct current and then for your home, it's an alternating current, so it's safer or it's not. I don't know. Um, but so those are the two different. So my AC power, I use that to charge my laptop and charge bigger things like my power tools, things like that. Um, another way of power, which, you you know, is wind power. Now, a lot of people think, oh, yeah, you're going to get, you know, what are you going to get, a, a windmill, and it's going to generate, you know, this little alternator is going to charge a battery no that's not what it's going to do it well not directly so again in permaculture my lifestyle and everything i like i like multi-purpose tools so i have an obstacle i um you need water you know i do have um two creeks on my property i have pine creek pine pen pen pine yeah pine creek i have pine creek and then i have fiddler creek that join and um so i have two water sources and that'd be good for things like gardens irrigations things like that you know backup water emergency water um probably don't want to drink it because there are a lot of cows in the area and a lot of runoff you know it's normal it's farmland but the i i had to get uh my own water source you know you could the the easiest way would be to bring a um well digger and put it closer to the creek. Um, you would need a much shallower well. Most people that built houses back in the day, they put um, their homes near the creek so they could get you know shallow wells, and they don't have to dig you know miles down. 
Of course, that's not how I did it. I want a pure source of water. I want it to be filtered. I don't want to have any chance of bacteria coming in from the, from the, the uh, surface water. So I took my water and my well, and I stuck it on top of the hill. All right. Putting a well on top of the hill is, one, very costly because, well, a bunch of reasons. I had to get the truck way up top of the hill. That was its own adventure. I had to get a bulldozer in there or some kind of earth mover to kind of, because it's a hill, it's, a, you know, maybe 20 degree hill, maybe not 20 degree, but, you know, nice, nice angle. Um, more of an angle than you'd want a huge well digger that is top heavy driving on. So he came up its eye uh, straight and then had to back up into where it was going to um, be pumped, drilled. And so they had to drill, uh, make it a little level spot. So I had to have John Clare etch out a little road up there, even like a little landing strip that goes into the well. Um, how I found this spot for a well, which is amazing, um, I had a, uh, a water witcher come out here. And, you know, she walked the property and picked a couple of spots. And so her, her detent, uh, one of the spots she picked was um, where the well is. And she said it would be 200 feet deep, you know, and, and it's probably a good guesstimate. You know, I'm about uh, 120 feet up. So I'm like, all right, well, it's going deep. That's good. Uh, it wasn't. It was 420 feet. Honestly, it was 420 was the depth of my well. Um, <laughs> it's what I paid for. It's what's written on the well. So I have a 420 well. Uh, that was the name of my one of YouTube videos was 420 well or something like that. So I have a very deep. Well, no. So it 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 that's how it, uh, deep it went to get the water. But because it hit a very big old artesian well. Um, it pushed the water up about 200 feet. So my pumping level is about 180. My water level is about 180 feet high. So I'm only pumping 200 feet, like she said it would be. So my well is 200 uh, feet. So I was thinking about how am I going to use, what kind of off-grid method am I going to use to pump water out? So I was doing a lot of research on that, and I came up with um, those old uh what are they called arrow i forget what they're called but you know the big steel bladed windmill that you see and it just turns slowly it's a you know maybe like 10 blades or eight blades and they're kind of short um and they'll sit there and spin with the the uh, fin on the back to direct it and what that does it slowly pushes a rod up and down As it's slowly turning and, you know, it's like slowly turn. I don't know if that makes any sense, the audio. I just did that. Um, but so that just pumps it up and down real slowly, like little pump, pushes it down and squirts a little out. I'm out of water. <laughs> Sorry, I hope that did not make this a different rating. Um, so... That has one purpose. So all it does is, you know, pumps water up and down. That's all it does, one purpose tool. Don't like that. Living around the Amish, um, talking to my, my neighbor, Menno, he, um, hopefully he listens to this podcast. 
he suggested uh, air power and pneumatic. Actually, Warren, uh, my buddy Warren, he is another homesteader in the area. He actually helps people design homesteads. Um, he lives down the, down the corner. His daughter was the one actually that witched the water on my property. He suggested doing pneumatic pressure. Um, so he might have been the first one to, to throw it out there. And what pneumatic pressure is, everybody, well, not, maybe not everybody, but when you go to an auto mechanic shop and you hear the tools going ring, 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 um, that's pneumatic pressure. And you get a big compressor, uh, compressor usually electric. Um, the Amish use gas-powered compressors. It's a you know gasoline motor going. The sound effects are great, right? Um, that's pumping air slowly into a bigger tank, and that would be like the battery. So you have this compressed there, and you could spin things. You could do things with it. So what a what did I, I chose to go with this method? This is my type of windmill. So it's a windmill. That is, in essence, that little motor that either electric engine turns or gasoline engine turns it or motor or whatever. And so it's a little air compressor, I think one or two cylinders that, you know, as it's turning, go, you know, sucking, punching, I don't know. And that's turning um, the air pressure, putting it into big reserves. So I have two to um, 50, 500, 500 gallon tanks, old propane tanks that they bought the, the, the Amish auctions. I'm tying those both together. And so that's going to be my battery. So all day that it's, you know, spinning up there and I live on a high hill and there's a lot of pressure. My windmill actually is 120, 100, it's 90 feet tall. Um, I'm only going to use about 60 feet of it. Maybe a little bit. I, mean, I think it's like maybe 65 or something I'm going to use. It's going to be kind of low, but it's – I could always add more and, you know, make it higher. But lower the better. I don't need it that high because, I, like I said, I live on a very high hill and there's no obstructions. There's no trees around it. And um, so I don't need it that high. So the windmill's up there pumping that. From that compressed there, it's going to feed into – I. so with the whole system I bought, I it was, it was pretty fun. I took a little road trip with my uh, – minivan anyway road trips are another part of my happy lifestyle but i took a little minivan trip i uh went down to inner no i didn't have intercourse i didn't go to intercourse it was paradise intercourse is next to paradise pa and i bought the windmill from an amishman um he had he used the same system um it was a used windmill so i saved a lot of money on that um he that was a great experience that was it's another video um <laughs> i bought the so there's uh cables that tie up and hold the windmill from falling over and uh just quick story it came with the cement pillars he was going to break them up and just give me the poles and i have to pour my own cement so he suggested just keep this and you could pour around it so to just make a bigger cement so i transported like six of these big huge maybe like three four foot tall cement pillars three feet tubes <laughs> connected with the poles oh man all the way from paradise to woodward um but that's that's the windmill that's what's gonna pump the windmill it's gonna push the water up into a, a storage tank so what my storage tank i bought a thousand gallon old um 
milk storage tank. So when you freshly milk cows or whatever you're milking, um, you need it in a storage tank that keeps it cold. So in essence, it's a kind of like a refrigerator. It's an insulated stainless steel vat with about maybe like three inches of insulation and um, the heating, uh, the cooling coils go through there and cool it. So when it goes bad, you'll never find the leak because it's surrounded by insulation and, you know, you have to rip all the part the whole thing. So it's pretty much either scrap metal or you could use it for water storage. So I bought one. I paid $1,000 for it, a dollar a gallon, which is super cheap. I don't think you buy plastic ones for, for that cost. I picked it up locally at a local Amish uh, his farm. So that's going to be on water storage. That's on top of the hill. Um, another de- uh, another perk with the having water pressure. So I did want the another reason why I wanted the windmill high and my water storage high is so I could do gravity feed, which is great. I could still use gravity feed, but I have air pressure now, so I could always tie airline into the water line, and I could have all the pressure I want. So that's another reason why it's up there. So picture pretty much at the top of the hill. A windmill going down the south-facing hill to a little landing that I had John Clare. So it's like a hill that kind of like leveled out to a little flat spot, and then it hits the woods, and then it um, goes down to like the lower level where it floods, a little swampy, marshy, that's where the creeks are and everything. So where I want to live and where I want to build a house is at the base of that south-facing hill where it kind of levels off. I had John Clare where when he built the road, the road comes up to this area. Um, you know, I made it a little short. I should have just had him go all the way to the level that the house is going to be on. But whatever, I wasn't thinking. Um, so that's I, I level it out, took a notch out of the hill. So that's where I'll build. My plan is to build an earth ship. And this all ties into the off-grid living. So... Off-grid heat is usually in this area. They use wood, which is a great means of heat. I have a lot of trees. A lot of trees die. A lot of trees grow. So that's kind of like an unlimited source of heat. An earth ship now, you don't even need that heat because how an earth ship works is you're facing south. So you. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to build a house in that little notch of the hill, put a really strong roof on it, and then put the dirt on top of it the whole front of the house is going to be glass and that's going to face south it's a beautiful view all i'm looking up is the mountain the mountain is actually far enough so it doesn't block any of the winter sun very important i did this research i i, I looked at this property for months and all these solar aspects and i tried to make sure that i wasn't blocking the sun i mean just all these needs and it met so it's, it's perfect so what happens in the lower, when the sun is lower in the winter, it will then shine into the house, okay? Because the sun is lower, you know, in the south. So when you're looking, um, say if you're standing in my kitchen in the summertime, the sun will be above you, you know? So it's it's more above you. So I won't get any direct sunlight into the house i could put solar tubes through it and then you know have just like you know just the light but without the heat and that actually cools the house all right so on my property i have a bunch of caves and caves around here the ambient inside temperature either you know sometimes with water it gets a little cooler if you have water above you or below the cave but normally the ambient temperature in the ground here is 52 degrees 
So if I match that same 52 degrees ambient temperature in a house, because I have, you know, three feet or three, four feet of soil above me, if I need to heat it or cool it, now I'm working with a base of 52 degrees. Summertime, if you're outside and it's 90 degrees, and if you come inside to a house that's 52 degrees, say 60 even, because, you know, it's not perfect, that's a, that's a, that's a cool house. You know, I'm, I don't use air conditioning and I've lived in houses and I just, you know, hopefully it's windy enough and, you know, a couple of nights you're sweating, but, you know, hopefully you have a fan on or something. So 60 degrees is, is perfect. I won't need air conditioning. Now for winter, you know, winter, you need to heat. And as long as you have sun coming in, even if it's cloudy, you know, that sun's going to still be beaming inside of your house and you're still working with a base of about 52 degrees. So let's bring it down to maybe 45, 40 degrees even. 40 degrees, my pipes aren't going to freeze. You know? That's how pipes, you know, so when I run pipes up from the water system down the hill, I have to dig them three feet into the ground. And why do they use three feet as, you know, deep enough so it doesn't freeze is because that insulation will keep that water from freezing. Same thing as in a house. If you build your house three feet down, you're gonna be you're gonna be in that that cave zone temperature, and then the summertime, I mean wintertime when it's shooting all those rays into the house. Oh, it's beautiful! It'll heat up everything, and you could design. You could put water in there to heat the water, you know, and put a little wood burning stove. So that's that's what the the um, the home's gonna be in front of the home where it's kind of level. Um, I'm going to, that's where my, in permaculture, we call it the zone one garden. I'm going to build out the little area that John Claire um, notched out for home. I think it's 46, 60 feet, maybe by, with the, well, without, with the house there, probably like 60 by 40 or something. A little bit bigger than my, my uh, backyard garden in Jersey City. But I really think that that's going to be enough to um, provide most of my food and medicine. That little area, I'm going to design it like an urban food forest because that's what I know for years. That's what I was building. Um, I designed them or helped design them for other people in the area in Jersey City. So I want to build a little urban food forest. I'm going to probably video it. So so the videoing of this, when I build something as, as a little high side hustle, I'm going to probably video it. And then offer it as a design course. And people in the cities could buy it or maybe it'll be free. Who knows? Um, but I, I like to teach. So part of my homestead plan is I want to teach people on my homestead. And it ties into my home living too. Because I'm a legal farm, I get to have a home and I have to get to have a farmstead. So I could have people living in the farmstead. And it's legal to have one bedroom with 800 cots in it. So you could actually really house 800 people in a sepsic system designed for a one bedroom house. So it's weird, but that's how codes work, but whatever. That's how I get them around. That's how people get around them. Um, my neighbor has a thousand kids every summer and they have three septics. So that's crazy. So zone one garden, food forest, um, a permaculture kind of like urban design course for the front behind me. Um, I don't know what zone it's going to probably be. Maybe like it'll technically be zone two. You just have to walk on top of the house, above the house, like that 
hill going up. That what we're going to do is I'm going to design it because it's kind of steep. Um, I'm going to design swales. So imagine flip a bowl upside down. Okay. I'm going to design kind of design swales on that bowl. Flip a bowl upside down. And the size of the bowl, say it's not super, you know, it's kind of like a shallow bowl. Every single level line, like if you draw perfect lines around that bowl, each one of those are going to be level. So on those level lines, those are called the contour lines. And on my hill, it's, you know, not going to be perfectly round like that, but you follow that line with the contour of the land. So it's not going to be perfectly round, but it'll be, you know, it'll follow the lines. You'll see it like on those maps, the typographical maps, they have the line, contour lines. So on those lines, what you do is you kind of build like a pathway. And so I'm cutting into the hill, and I'm going to take that dirt, that topsoil, and I'm going to put it on the down slope. So 90 degrees down, it'll go down there. So what happens when rain falls, um, it's going to hit these swales. And that's going to slow the water down from going down the hill. They'll fill up the first one, and it'll slowly soak into the soil. and then, So it'll keep the water on the land. Where opposed to normal runoff, runoff, is especially because the, the land that I bought where I'm going to build the food forest, plant the trees, the swales, is, has been a, a cow pasture. So for, I don't know, not hundreds of years, but for 100 years probably, cows have been stepping on it. People have been stepping on it, so it's been compacted, so it's kind of hard and clay. <clears throat> so what happens right now when it rains, all that water, some soaks into the top, you know, maybe a couple inches and in the plants and everything, but the rest of it just gets washed off. And so all those dead insects and dead leaves and bugs and poop and my poop and their poop and who's poop poop and bugs and that just gets, you know, eventually washed down and into the creek and goes away. So if you build these swells, what it does, it, it holds all the nutrients. The nutrients can't go anywhere. It gets stuck there. And then, and then because of that mound, you know, so you have the pathway and then downhill you have that mound. And they're only probably, like, you know, three feet wide. On that mound is where you're going to plant your trees, your bushes. And, you know, that's the, the, the way you design things. You're going to design, you know, put a fruit tree there with a, you know, some comfrey at the base of it. You know, not, you're not going to see any soil. Everything is going to be growing on, just like a forest. So a food forest, that's what I'm designing. So think of it as a forest. You're walking around in nature, and everything is edible or medicinal. So that's the plan. About five acres up there of just a cow pasture that I want to cut in swales and have all the food there. Uh, of plants and trees and oh you know some would be eaten by plant uh, animals you know you plant some up high anyway i don't want to go too much into the design aspect of this but it's going to have ponds and everything so that's going to slow the water from coming down um the hill and just you know going into the um creeks when i said um a design course my my overall plan, um, again, how I'm going to generate income from this homestead, it is I want to provide workshops, um, permaculture workshops. I want to teach people. Once I build this little urban thing, I could actually have people come out here. They'll take a course. Maybe they'll pay me, you know, a hundred, a thousand dollars to take this week long course. They'll have shelter, so I'll have my my house that maybe I could house a couple people in. 
And then maybe I'll have the the farmette and I could have bunks in there so that I could store 20 people. I have campsites on my property. That's another way of, of, of generating income. I have, um, it's called Hip Camp. Hip Camp, search for, I don't know, Dennis Allen on Hip Camp. That is a service, kind of like the Airbnb of I got land, you could camp on it. So if you have a little acre in your backyard, hey, put a tent there. I don't care. Here's water. And you just offer them what you have. Of mine, I offer you nothing. You know, here's a piece of land. People have come and they slept on the quarry stage. They sleep into the creek. I, you know, every now and then I'll clear up a little spot. I was like, oh, it's a cool little spot. You know, I'll just cut some trees down, level it out a little bit, borrow the skid loader from Brian and make a little camping site. So I have that as an income. As camping, I have another um, source of income. It's called uh, Tenter. Again, search Dennis Allen, Homestead, or Caves. They like to put caves in there because I have the, the caves on my property um, that you could explore. And one of them is really beautiful. So camping is another thing. They charge – oh, oh. so the Tenter, what the Tenter is, is a – it's kind of like glamping. You pay $125 a night. I get most of that. Hip uh, Tenter gets some of that. But you get to stay at a campsite that they built. So mostly built. We built together. They built a little stage, uh, a little platform for the tent that has a nice canvas tent with a wood-burning stove and has dual um, bunk bed, queen-size beds that I could take the top off and it would just be one queen-size air mattress. Um, they provide a fire pit. We have a little bathroom area. You know, it, it's really cool. It's $120 a night. People come out there for football games with Penn State. So that's 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 just another source of income that I could generate on my property. And this is all legal up to code standards. You know, I'm actually going to probably go for one of the positions in Aaronsburg. That's the township I'm in. Um, yeah, that, I don't know. Do I want to get into local politics? Oh, that's another story. <laughs> um, with all the food that I'm going to have, you know, chickens and all this, you know, who knows? I have a lot of compost that I'm going to be getting from the Ingle Bean that I could get from other places. I'm going to be having chickens uh, and eggs so I could sell the eggs to the ingle bean, maybe, if that's legal. I have all the apples and the pears and whatever I'm growing behind me. That Those are things I could sell. I could sell mints. I love mint. I always wanted to be the mint man, one of my plans in Jersey City or one of you know possibilities. I was going to just grow mint on my rooftop garden in my backyard and just be the mint man. If anybody had mint in Jersey City area, it would have come from Dennis Allen, the mint man. So just like little side hustles like that, um, have that food provide for me and the excess, either give away or sell or do something with it. I can make applesauce. I mean, it, the, the, the possibility is endless. You know, this podcast, the survival podcast, you know, it sounds like, a you know, like, oh, what are we going to do when the zombies come or, you know, when there's a nuclear bomb? He does not talk about that stuff. He pretty much is surviving life you know what are you going to do to survive your job you know what are you going to work in that unhappy situation kind of like same things that i want to talk about here but i guess i'm just reaching a different audience but that's my goal for this podcast and this land just to teach people to provide an income for me so i'm not spending a thousand dollars a month in taxes or well, in Jersey City, it was going up to about $15,000 a year. So do the math on that. Just just a side note, this is kind of ironic, that you know I'm talking about my water system for the land 
and you know i i i it spent i spent money and i spent about thirty thousand dollars on it and ironically no i didn't spend that much how much was it 15 yeah about fifteen thousand dollars about yeah about fifteen thousand dollars but the ironic thing is is the people that bought my house their main water line broke from the house to the street and it cost them about fifteen thousand dollars just to fix one pipe and for the exact same money I built an entire water system that if anything breaks, it's going to be at most a $500 part and labor that I could do myself. It's it's literally that simple. The only problem that you'll have with those things is they may leak air and you'll have to get a new fitting, like a $3 stainless steel clamp or something. It's amazing. So for the same price as fixing one pipe in a city like Jersey City, I bought my financial freedom. I mean, seriously, think about that. Oh, it, it's amazing. You know, I'm never going to have to deal with that, you know, sneak up bill or my taxes are going to double. One of the reasons why I wanted to get out of Jersey City sooner than later is because the taxes were going to double. I was paying about 7000 uh, more than double. And now they're, they're about $15,000. It's crazy. Now out here, I don't even know what my taxes are. I pay them every now and then because I keep forgetting. I'm like, oh, I got to pay taxes. How much is it? Oh, 300 Here you go. Dude, can I give you more? Um, so it's amazing. You know, it, it's that's how you're buying, you know, your financial freedom and the happiness. The happiness is waking up in the morning. Oh, man, from, with the sun peeking in your window. And you open your eyes and you're surrounded by glass. And, you know, because I'm in Airstream right now and, it's, you know, it's pretty small. But, you know, I go outside and I'm standing on this beautiful hill. I'm looking at a all tree-covered mountain and, and farmland and pastures and my neighbors are, you know, running around with horse and buggy and uh, it's really amazing. That's that's the happiness, you know. I got the happiness. It's, it's I have to build more of the financial freedom, which I kind of did already, you know. Um, I have a little bit of that, but I do need to generate income now and that's, you know, those are my future plans for this, I, you know. I have the quarry. We're gonna. We've been doing the math on that, and we could probably fit comfortably a thousand people, twelve hundred comfortably. Um, I have to build some parking lots and some infrastructure for that. But I mean, simple math. You know, a thousand people at ten dollars each, or if it's a three day. I mean, I, I don't know if I'll do three day music festivals just to respect my neighbors, but a concert ten dollars each at a thousand people. That's crazy, you know. Oof, we could do something great here, you know. So that'll provide me some, you know, income. I drive in movie, you know. I, I want to get a little screen up there, and one of the uh, neighbors in town, he has a professional. He, he has a projector that we could use, and he's like, "Yeah, if I come down there and I could use it, I'd be the one that operates it." Yeah, sure. You know, he's got kids. He wants to build his community like everybody else here. It's 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 simply amazing. Uh, what else is there? Camping, diving, music scenes, you know, I think that's pretty much it. You know, that's my plan. I want to have my, my property provide food, my shelter, my heat, my water, my sewage. You know, I, I, I do have to get a septic system because of the stupid codes, you know, maybe this president or the next president or maybe presidents don't exist. And they say, okay, you could actually now compost your own poop. But till then, I do have to get a 
septic system um, built. I could still compost my own poop, but I still need a septic system. But that's another thing. That's kind of where the ingle bean money was supposed to go, but it, it didn't. So I don't have a septic system right now. Luckily, I'm legally living next door at the farm. So, and that's where I shower and everything. So, you know, I kind of am living there. Um, well, I don't shower much, but, <laughs> and legally that's where I poop. So, um, I think that's pretty much it. You know, I'm really excited about this podcast. Hope you guys are digging it. Uh, if you could share it with your friends, I, I would like to share this and, you know, try to reach out to most, as many people as I can. I'm my buddy Tyrone from Jersey city, man. Woo! I love it. I hope you're listening to this. Um, he just bought a his own his own little homestead. You know, he's a, a city boy. I don't know exactly where he's from, but um, he definitely wasn't you know born in Pennsylvania or upstate New York. Uh, yeah, maybe he was. I don't know. But you know, he was an urban boy like me, and uh, he's doing the same thing, man. He's he's got a chainsaw, and he's it's same. It's great. He's got a shipping container, man. People are doing it. So if any of you are listening out there, Brian Easy, Louie, Eddie, you know, take your families away, man. Find yourself a better life. And I, I'm not I'm not judging or anything, but I'm just, this is just my passion. This is what this is about. So if you're listening to it, you probably want to get out and find your own happiness and do what you got to do to support yourself and your family and just really enjoy your life, you know. It's going to be great. My job is, you know, maintaining my property and making sure that, it provides for me. So share this out. Um, Inglebean.com. If you're in the area and you want to get some freshly baked goods and if you share this, you get a free cookie. Uh, Inglebean.com. Woodward Quarry. Stick with that. Woodward.com. No, sorry. Woodwardquarry.com. That's for all your music venue needs. You know, people could. I actually am talking to somebody about using it to uh, film a movie. You know, for a couple of scenes, maybe about the whole, maybe the whole movie. I don't know. It's <laughs> the possibilities are really endless. So share it. Go to the website, stennisound.com for all your podcasts and all that stuff. Um, Woodwardquarry.com, Inglebean.com. And I think that's pretty much it. The the one last thing I'm putting a, as you heard in the beginning, that might have been a hint what we're going to play. Um, this song today is going to be. Uh, Motley Crue's Home Sweet Home. I'm on my way. No, I'm not going to do that. Um, They're going to sing it. I don't know if I could keep doing this, but I'm going to do it till I get caught and whatever. Maybe I'll just, then I'll just sing it. But Home Sweet Home um, was a song. I never, I was never really a metalhead. I was more of, you know, like a a city boy. I listened to everything. I listened to country. You know, my grand, uh, my mother had Nitty Gritty Dirt Band, and I let you and me going fishing in the dark. That'll be another song. But I'm just gonna be playing on these my uh, my favorite songs. The other one, the coffee shop rap song, wasn't one of my favorite songs, but it just tied in perfectly to the coffee shop, so I played it. So this one is Motley Crue, Home Sweet Home. Um, you know, just set me free. Home, sweet home. My, this is goosebumps, man. So enjoy it. Love you all. Share this podcast. Keep listening to it. I love you all. I'm really freaking enjoying life. Leanna, my daughter, I love you so much. Love you guys. 
You know I'm a dreamer, but my 